Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It is Friday, May 20th, live from my apartment in his attic. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. I am DJ Nate, filling in for the one and only Dr. D. On today's show, we have election lawyer Ed Mullen. And now, your host, Chicago Rito columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Don't Be Dumb Dems Friday, and here's why. Before I explain why we're calling it Don't Be Dumb Dems Friday, why? Let me explain why it's not, oh, what a week, which is usually the show we do on a Friday. And that's because my partner in crime for, oh, what a week, the illustrious Dr. D is on vacation. Dr. D, I hope you're having a great vacation, enjoying your time. DJ Nate, the pride and joy of Lane Tech High School, one of the fine baseball players to come out of the city of Chicago in the last 10 years, uh, is sitting in as he does uh, when the doctor can't be here. Uh, what do I mean by don't be dumbs, dems Friday? Well, here's why. It's Friday. That's the obvious part. The don't be d- dumb part is this. Everywhere I go uh, when I'm listening to uh, radio shows, radio interviews, just political discussions, I'm reading articles in the newspaper about the upcoming uh, situation regarding reproductive rights in uh, the United States of America with Roe v. Wade being thrown out the window, as apparently will be come June uh, when the Supremes announce the decision. Uh, in the case that stems from Mississippi, believe uh, every time I hear a discussion, this really grinds my gear, gears, as they say. Someone will say, well, we don't have to worry about that in Illinois. You know, we don't have to worry about that in Illinois because we passed HB 40, reproductive rights legislation that my guest who's sitting right here listening to me knows all about. You know, we don't have to worry about that in Illinois because we have Democrats in the Senate, Democrats in the House, and Democratic governor, and a Democratic Supreme Court. We don't have to worry about that in Illinois. And because the Republicans are so chicken right now, the way they're playing this game, I'll get into this with my guests. Republicans are so chicken, they won't come right out and tell you what they're going to do to reproductive rights in the state of Illinois. Kind of hiding, pretending they're not going to do what they're going to do. So everybody's like, oh, we don't have to worry about that in Illinois. Every time one of my distinguished guests, I love each one of my guests. I don't always agree with them, but I love them all for coming on my show. Says to me, oh, Ben, you know, we have reproductive rights here in the state of Illinois. We don't have to worry about it. I go, distinguished guests, I must disagree with you. Nothing lasts forever in politics. You think the right in Illinois, MAGA in Illinois, when it comes to reproductive rights, is any different than MAGA in Mississippi or Texas or Pennsylvania or Florida? What do you think they're like, more enlightened? When it comes to reproductive rights, the MAG in Illinois? No. They got the same agenda. They're just a little further behind. So Democrats run the state politically at the moment. Democratic voters fall asleep, and they always fall asleep. They get comfortable. They get lazy. They don't really understand the game. They're not paying attention. They're watching some show on Netflix, whatever Democrats do. 
It always seemed like you got to rile up Democrats. Republicans, MAGA's always riled up. <laughs> I'm riled up. I'm riled up right now. I was born riled up. My mother infused a great love and appreciation for politics into me at a very early age. But apparently, most Dems didn't have a mom like I did. Most Dems are wandering around through the state of Illinois and city of Chicago. Oh, it's a nice day. I think I'll go watch a Netflix series. Meanwhile, the reproductive rights that you take for granted, Dems, that you think are enshrined, like what, cut and carved in stone, they'll be eradicated. And you'll be like, what happened? I heard on Chicago Tonight. <laughs> I heard WBEZ. We don't have to worry about that in the state of Illinois. Yeah. So that's why I say, don't be dumb Dems. Wake up. Got an election coming here in the state of Illinois in November that'll be pivotal. This is just one issue that I'm concentrating on. I could go on and on about labor rights, collective bargaining rights, lots of different issues at stake. But reproductive rights, it's huge. And a lot of that may come down to the Illinois State, state Supreme Court, and that's what I'll be discussing with my distinguished guest, election lawyer, Ed Mullen probably knows more about the Illinois State Supreme Court than anyone in the state of Illinois who's not on the Supreme Court. Welcome back to the show, Ed. Thanks, Ben. Great to be back. Is, is there anything I said in my opening, Ed, which you heard that you disagree with? In which case, feel free to disagree with me uh, in front of the microphone. Go. I, I don't at all. I, I think everything that you said is entirely correct. And I think the only thing that I would... You know, I, I think reproductive rights are obviously one of the most important issues that, uh, you know, is going to be before the voters in Illinois this cycle. But, you know, the, the entire administrative state uh, with environmental regulations, security regulations, health regulations, I think are at risk. I think uh, all, all sorts of civil rights and voting rights are at risk. So the only thing I would disagree with you on is is. You know, I think there's a lot more at risk than just reproductive rights. I, I actually don't disagree with your disagreement, which means it's really not a disagreement. <laughs> I agree with your disagreement. Uh, that's called editing and clarifying. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you were my editor, I would, like, modify the paragraph a little bit. This is just one issue. I may have said that already, but I would emphasize it a little more. Uh, all right. Uh, and by the way. I just have to say this. Uh, I, reproductive rights is on my mind literally right now for many different reasons. Obviously, the Roe v. Wade uh, a reference, uh, Ed. But I also just happened to see uh, about an hour ago a clip from the great George Carlin. May rest in peace. I don't know if you were a fan, Ed. But my opinion, one of the greatest satirists of the last 100 years. Funny, funny man. Uh, and um, I didn't always agree with uh, George Carlin with some of the takes he did, but... Uh, he always entertained me. Anyway, I don't know if you ever saw his riff on abortion foes, and I urge absolutely everyone to check it out if you want to. He, he just gets at the heart of the utter hypocrisy of people who say that every life is sacred and that as soon as uh, a baby leaves the womb and comes to the world, it's like, you're on your own. <laughs> Only George says it a little more effectively. Got a middle finger in the air. You know, we, we had 193 uh, Congress people vote against uh, extra funding for uh, baby formula right after, uh, you know, talking about all their, their pro-life bona fides. What was that all about, Ed, in your humble opinion? That, that, that I, I, I'm still absorbing that one. What was that, that no vote all about? 
I, I have no idea. I, I think it's they don't want Biden to be successful with anything. And so the answer is no to whatever he wants. I think you do have an idea and you just stated it exactly. That's exactly correct. So you can't believe a word they say on any issue, particularly life. Life is not sacred if as soon as a baby leaves the womb, they screw the baby. Just saying, folks, life is not sacred if that's the case. Uh, All right, Ed, I'm going to calm down, have a drink of water, take a sedative, and uh, allow you to lead us through what I hope is a very helpful lesson uh, for our listeners regarding uh, the state Supreme Court, Illinois State Supreme Court. Unlike the federal Supreme Court, uh, it's not filled with nominees uh, selected by the chief executive, in this case the governor, in the federal case the president, and then confirmed by the Senate. That's how it's done for the Supreme Court. The Illinois State Supreme Court is elected by you, the voters. Yes, you got to put on your smart people hat and make <laughs> and make a decision. All right. Uh, and so I just want to get this out of the way up front. Uh, Ed is a practicing election uh, lawyer. Uh, he has a client who is running for uh, a state Supreme Court. Uh, he helped her get on the ballot. You could talk all about that, Ed, just to get it out of the way. But I have him on here because this dude is really smart. He's always calling me or he has in the past called me. Oh, Ben, you got to. This is an important issue. You got to talk about it. Ben, you got to have me on your show to talk about it. So he's here uh, to tell us all about the uh, state Supreme Court, why it's so important uh, and not talk about his particular candidate who is. What's her name again, Ed? Uh, Nancy Rotering. And you got her on the ballot uh, in uh, from in the Highland Park in Lake County. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, so she'll be running for Illinois Supreme Court Justice in the second district, which includes uh, Lake County, uh, McHenry, Kane, Kendall, and DeKalb counties. And just to show that we're uh, not bending over backwards, uh, to be fair, uh, I mean, to be fair to the other candidates, who, are, who are, will be her opponents in that Democratic primary? So one of her opponents is Judge Renee Cruz, uh, who is a uh circuit court judge in Kane County, uh, and her other opponent will be Elizabeth Roqueford, who is a judge in Lake County, an associate judge in Lake County. All right, uh, let's just start with the basics and let's lead people through this. Uh, so why don't you talk about uh, how many uh, Supreme Court districts there are in the state of Illinois uh, and roughly where they are. So why don't we start with that? Sure. So there are seven seats on the Illinois Supreme Court. Three of those seats are filled out of Cook County. So Cook County as a whole selects three of the seven Supreme Court justices, and those are generally uh, Democratic justices, fairly progressive justices. And so you'll typically always have three solid Democratic votes, progressive votes on the Illinois Supreme Court. There are two districts the way it has been redistricted, um, that are solid Republican districts and will typically send a fairly conservative justice uh, out of those districts. So you've got a base of three to two. What you now have after redistricting are two districts, the second and the third, that are split districts between Democrats and Republicans, almost 50-50, a little bit leaning Democrat, but but barely. And those two districts both have openings this cycle. So the second district, which is Lake County, uh, 
Kane, McHenry, Kendall, and DeKalb has one opening. And the third district, which is DuPage, Will, Kankakee, and a few other Western counties that are smaller, has a second opening. And these are for 10-year terms, and they are both open seats up for election this cycle. And these two seats will determine whether or not we have a Democratic majority on the Supreme Court going forward. And a lot of people, as you said in your introduction, think that, well, we're a Democratic state, so we're going to have a Democratic Supreme Court. But what happened in the last cycle was that the Chamber of Commerce and conservative uh, donors spent millions and millions and millions of dollars to make sure that Justice Kilbride, who had been the Democratic justice in the third district, was not retained for another 10 years. And that's what led to the, the opening this cycle, is normally judges serve for 10 years and then they get retained and serve for another 10 years. And typically, uh, they're, they're always retained. But the Chamber of Commerce and, and other conservative donors spent at least $6 million to make sure that Justice Kilbride was not retained, and that led to the opening this cycle. So they are, in my estimation, planning to spend at least that to follow up and make sure that their original investment uh, has a return. And they're going to try very hard to make sure that we get a conservative Republican elected from uh, both the second and the third district, and that would be a counterbalance to all of the progress that the Democratic legislature and the Democratic governor have made over the last three years. Okay, and uh, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ed, that one of those conservative forces that contributed to Thomas Kilbride's uh, downfall, who contributed to the, camp, the, the vote against Kilbride uh, movement, movement was uh, Kenneth Kenny G. Griffin, uh, the wealthiest man in the state of Illinois, who's also bankrolling uh, Richard Irvin's gubernatorial campaign. Am I correct on that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So wake up, Dems. <laughs> the other side is already up and at them and working hard while you're still sleeping in the backyard. Uh, all right. Let's talk um, about the the last time on your show. Let's just sort of uh, re-educate people about some of the things we talked about. Uh, the last time we were in your show, we were talking about how the districts were uh, redistricted. So for the first time in years, I can't remember the last time, Ed, uh, that there was 1964. a redistricted. And I told you this guy knows everything. 1964. Uh, young Ed Mullen was not even born yet in 1964, I want to say. Um, I, I was not born yet. Yes. He doesn't remember the Beatles coming to America and going on the Ed Sullivan show. He's, he's uh, too young for that. Um, which had took place in 1964. All right, so they redistricted, and uh, you were pointing out that uh, if the Democrats were going to be like Republicans, which means smart, uh, they would have done a more effective job of setting up the districts to guarantee a Democratic majority. But the districts they, they created are 50, like you call 50-50. They can go either way. Am I correct in that? Well, they are, in my estimation, 50-50 districts in this cycle. So when, when Trump was on the ballot and it was a presidential year, which has a higher turnout of Democrats, um, Joe Biden did fairly well in both of these districts. But when Kwame Raul and J.B. Pritzker were running for attorney general and for governor back in 2018, which is going to be much more similar to the uh, votes that turn out in this particular election, 
they, they were almost 50-50. So Kwame Raul won the third district by 0.1%, um, and, and Pritzker won the, the third by 1% and the second by 2%. So they're they're very uh, very close districts. That is um, that's that's razor thin. Uh, now I'm hoping uh, that appeals like the one I made at the outset of the show, and, and I'm not alone in making those appeals, uh, will wake up uh, the uh, the Democratic base, the Democratic voters. Uh, I mean, as you pointed out, it's more than just reproductive rights at stake. It's like democracy at stake. Uh, if you take a look at what's going on in Pennsylvania, for instance, we'll get into that. So I'm hoping that this midterm is a little more, resembles a little more a presidential election when it comes to turnout and people being fired up. I know that's a stretch, but I think to a large degree that the Democratic success in November absolutely depends on turnout. Uh, and so there has to be a sense of urgency in the part of Democratic voters if the Dems are to offset the the losses that are predicted. Uh, did you see it the same way? Absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, turnout on the Republican side is fairly consistent and turnout on the Democratic side is is more variable. And I think that the Dobbs decision coming down from the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade, if that is is uh you know comes to fruition in in june i think is going to lead a lot of democrats to the polls but uh you know the concern is that democrats think well this doesn't affect illinois and you know so so we don't have to worry about it as much as the problem um so we need to make sure that that people throughout the state in particular who live in the second and third district understand that this issue, um, not the Supreme Court itself, but the issue of choice, the issue of environmental regulation, the issue of, uh, of gun regulation and, you know, all sorts of, of issues that are important to the, the, the party and to the people of the state are, are on the ballot. Now, when it comes to uh, abortion rights and reproductive rights uh, on the national level, when nominees come before the Senate uh, for confirmation to the U.S. Supreme Court, there's a lot of prevarication uh, that goes on. Uh, <laughs> that's me speaking, not Ed. Uh, in other words, I've, and I'm, Ed, I've watched a lot of these. So they ask what their opinion about abortion rights and Roe v. Wade are, and whether it's Clarence Thomas or Brett Kavanaugh or Neil Gorsuch or uh, Amy Coney. Uh, they all have the same thing. Well, I believe in established precedent and, uh, I, you know, I have no uh, personal opinions that would dissuade me in any way. Uh, you know, uh, I, am, I am like the blind justice and I just see the, you know, the, the issue that before me, I have no bias or preconceived notions. And I'm like, God dang, you got through that without laughing. And, and then they come on. And sure enough, you see that bias. Uh, as we're seeing with the lineup to uh, eradicate Roe, even after all these justices uh, said they wouldn't. Now, uh, it's a little different with the Illinois state Supreme Court uh, candidate, uh, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong again. In other words, candidates who are running for state Supreme Court uh, are allowed, uh, I believe, to say whether they believe uh, in Roe v. Wade or a woman's uh, right to uh, 
uh, abortion because of privacy uh, doctrines. Am I correct in that? So it's a little more complicated than that. We have a judicial canon of ethics that has a provision that says a candidate for judicial office cannot discuss uh, an issue that might come before the court. Um, it is a First Amendment right of candidates under Supreme Court precedent. There's a case called Republican Party of Minnesota versus White that was decided by the Supreme Court that said candidates have a free speech right to talk about um, their beliefs, to talk about it, uh, public policy issues, to talk about uh, cases that have come before. So, so there are some restrictions on what a candidate can say. Uh, I don't think they could say if a challenge to the uh, to the law that got rid of parental notification came before me, I would vote to uphold that. They can't be that specific, but they can say that you know I agree with Roe v. Wade. They can say that I agree with Casey um, versus Planned Parenthood. They can say that you know, I used to serve on the board of Planned Parenthood, or I used to volunteer for Planned Parenthood, or I donated to Planned Parenthood. So there's a lot that they can say that gives the voters an understanding of where they stand on the issue, but they can't specifically come out and say, you know, if this issue comes before me, I'm gonna vote in a certain way. So there is some limitation, but there's ways for the candidates and for the voters to get a much better sense of where they stand on on issues like this. All right, fair enough. Uh, and uh, so the the um, it is sort of similar then to uh, the game that uh, Clarence Thomas played. Well, it it is and it isn't. And here's what what Alito and uh, uh, Coney Barrett and and Kavanaugh all did um, in their in their hearings and you know someone put together a little slice of each of the hearings and put them together in one video so you could see what each of the candidates said and they said it's precedent they never said it was correct precedent or that they agreed with it they just said that it was precedent and they had to follow stare decisis um, and they had to follow the principles of, of precedent they didn't say that it was correctly decided they didn't say that they agreed with it um, and they didn't say they wouldn't overturn it. So, um, you know, they thread the needle very carefully. And I think on the state level, the difference is that candidates can say, you know, I believe Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided. I believe Roe v. Wade was correctly decided. I believe under the ethical canons and Supreme Court precedent that they can say that. Now, that doesn't mean they will. That doesn't mean they want to. Um, but I believe they can say that, and I believe some of the candidates um, have said that. I believe also that uh, Clarence Thomas could have said that very well. He, he, I, I believe he believed it at the moment. In other words, I, I don't think there's any more restraints on Clarence Thomas uh, or uh, Amy Coney Barrett or Brett Kavanaugh or Neil Gorsuch or Samuel Alito or any of them uh, regarding whether they think it uh, was fairly decided. If they wanted to, they could have said, well, uh, senators, I believe it was a, a foolish decision that was uh, unfairly decided. I do not believe that there's a constitutional right to privacy. I certainly never see the word privacy in the Constitution. That's what I believe. And if they said that, it would be really hard <laughs> to round up 50 votes to confer them. 
It would, it would have been impossible. They never would have been, been confirmed. Um, what's interesting about one thing that you said, though, is that the word to privacy actually does exist in the Illinois Constitution in a way that it doesn't exist in the federal Constitution. So that's another reason why the Illinois Supreme Court races are important, because we have the potential to have stronger protections here in Illinois than there might be on the federal level, because that word is itself in our Constitution. Did not know that. I, I bowed down to Ed. I did not know the word. Do you, do you know how it's phrased in the Constitution, or you know what apropos to what, what context? Um, I, you know, I wish I could give you a better answer to that. Uh, I, I read it about a week ago, um, and I don't remember exactly what it says. But I thought it was, um, you know, it's not just in the context of searches and seizures, which is where it comes up a lot. Um, it, it's more broad. And remember, we had a constitutional convention in 1970, right? So, so our constitution here in Illinois is not from the 1700s. And so, you know, we, we've had the federal decision of Griswold, which uh, Roe is in a lot of ways based doctrinally on, uh, was, had been decided before our 1970 constitution. And that set out a right to privacy under the federal constitution based on, you know, the, the penumbra of rights that were uh, in the Bill of Rights and the 14th Amendment. And so I think the fact that, you know, it was included in our constitution after Griswold was decided pro providing the, the privacy right to, to contraceptives, I think is, is helpful to any litigant litigating an abortion or reproductive rights issue before the Illinois Supreme Court. Absolutely. And I just want to throw this one out there. Uh, as, as Ed said, Griswold, uh, uh, the, it was the Supreme Court ruling in a case coming out of Connecticut that uh, gave consenting adults the right to use contraceptives in their privacy of their homes. And uh, the, with the nut cases, and this is me speaking, not Ed, who have taken charge of the Republican Party throughout the country uh, with their extreme point of view, uh, their weird hatred of women, um, I, I see laws... Uh, coming the possibility of the laws if they haven't already been introduced out throughout the country uh, sort of banning con contraceptives uh, limiting their use and uh, restricting their use and then of course the way this works Ed knows this is that uh, those laws when passed get challenged uh, and they make their way through the court system until they could eventually make it to the Supremes and if the Supremes say that the law is constitutional boom that opens the door, and that's effectively what's happening with the anti-abortion uh, laws throughout the country. The Republican, um, the MAGA Supremes are going to use their power, their voting power, uh, to rule that these laws are constitutional. Is that a, a, an assessment, Ed, that could be a stand-up in any uh, law school class throughout the country? Yeah, I, I think it would. I mean, when you look at how... I, I mean, first of all, you have to question whether whether Griswold is 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 next, and whether that constitutional right is going to stand up if the whole concept of privacy being in the Constitution is is you know taken away by the by the Supreme Court. But I I think it was Louisiana was was you know passing a law that would have made IUDs. Um, illegal because of the the manner in which they prevent the pregnancy from from uh, progressing, um, but then you have you know the Plan B pill, 
you know, which, you know, could be considered um, under the way that the, the Louisiana law that I read was, was drafted um, to be an abortion pill and not a contraceptive pill based on the, the, the language. And so there, there's a, you know, there's a thin line between what people consider abortion and, and what, you know, what contraceptives do. And I think that, you know, they're going to keep pushing that line until they try to get rid of the right to contraceptives altogether. Now, uh, in the matter of reproductive rights in the state of Illinois, uh, and as I said, and you've uh, we pointed out, uh, in Illinois is sort of like a, a bastion. It's one of the few states uh, that uh, is like bending over backwards on this issue in favor of women. Uh, so, what's the what are some of the ways that the Supreme Court could be utilized by uh, anti-abortion uh, activists or lawyers uh, to undermine our laws? The, the Illinois Supreme Court? Yes. So I think the biggest issue that's going to come... Well, well first of all, you, you're going to see questions about the constitutionality of some of the provisions that have been passed. So you're going to see, um, it, is it constitutional for um, people to be able to do an end run around parental notification, for, for minors to have an abortion without um, notifying their parents? I think that's one thing that could come before the, the court. Um, but one whole concept that we haven't even gotten into now is the is the travel concept. Because Illinois is kind of an island in Midwestern states in terms of reproductive rights and abortion care services, um, we're going to become a destination state for, and we already have in a lot of ways become a destination state for people seeking abortion services. And so what states are now trying to do is to criminalize travel for abortions. And so let's say, um, you know, the state of Missouri says it's illegal to come into the state of Illinois to, um, to have an abortion and they need the cooperation of, of Illinois authorities or, um, you know, they need information from Illinois on what happened. Um, can, the, the, the state not respond to a, a subpoena um, and be, because our, our constitutional rights are different to abortion than another state. Or what, there, there's going to be a ton of issues that I can't even contemplate coming up um, because other states are trying to reach into Illinois and stop residents of, of Missouri or, or Iowa from coming to Illinois and having an abortion here. And so I think that's going to be a very fertile ground for, for litigation within the state of Illinois. Wow, that, I, that's deep. I hadn't even thought of that, Ed. Uh, now, that, you think that would be come before the Illinois uh, State Supreme Court? Would that, an issue like that uh, go to the, the federal Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court? It's uncertain. It depends on how the litigation comes up. But but the way, you know, if you have a Missouri criminal statute that says, um, you know, if a woman travels to Illinois to have an abortion, that is illegal. And anyone that helps her with that process um, is committing a crime. Then how do they prove that the woman had an abortion? Um, if the abortion occurred in Illinois, they're going to need to get medical records or, or documents from an Illinois abortion provider. And so it's a Missouri state law 
So the way they would normally do it is, is issue a subpoena that would be um, recognized by Illinois and, and the Illinois provider would be requested to send the information to the prosecutor in, in Missouri and, you know, would, would refuse. And that would, would go up to the Illinois Supreme Court. And so my guess is uh, under the current Illinois Supreme Court, if such a thing happened, uh, they would vote uh, to deny Missouri uh, the right to get the medical information from the state. In other words, they would protect the rights of privacy of doctors and uh, patients in the state of Illinois. Uh, But if the balance goes to MAGA, if MAGA prevails uh, in this election cycle and seizes control, the Illinois State Supreme Court all bets are off on a matter like that, and they may uh, order, in this particular instance, uh, a doctor to turn over medical records, which should be Right. And, and, and there's a, there's a ton of different hypotheticals that I've thought about. And, you know, some of them might come to pass. Some of them might not come to pass. But there's probably things that I haven't even thought about that are going to become issues. And the the fact that that these states are trying to stop people in their own states from having abortions in Illinois, I think, is going to raise a lot of issues here in Illinois state courts that we need a strong Supreme Court to um, defend that right of people to have abortion services here in Illinois. Now, Ed, uh, I'm watching very carefully the Republican gubernatorial uh, campaign. Uh, probably <laughs> my friends have teased me that I'm a little too obsessive with it, but I find it uh, on one hand fascinating and on the other hand frightening uh, and then sort of like a combination thereof. Uh, and so that's the one where uh, Kenny G's candidate, uh, Richard Irvin, pumped up by $45 million, I believe it is, in donations from Mr. Griffin, uh, is trying to present himself, he's trying to recreate himself uh, from what he used to be, uh, which is more or less like a Mitt Romney Republican or a Rahm Emanuel Democrat, which is really the same thing, uh, into a MAGA man uh, in order to secure the nomination. Uh, and as such, uh, the particular issue of abortion he really doesn't, you know what I mean? He has to signal that he's against it, uh, so MAGA will vote for him. But at the same time, he can't go too far because he's going to need uh, some pro-choice voters to vote for him if he's going to be the, the actual candidate. So it's a very delicate uh, uh, balance uh, that he's trying to uh, uh, maintain. Uh, I totally believe in calling him out on it and uh calling out the fraudulence of his campaign. Uh, How is this going to play out with judicial elections? Because will all these judicial candidates be playing the the, uh, Richard Irving game, like in the second and the third, the Republican nominee, uh, unless it's, or are these Republican nominees who probably will prevail so out and out MAGA that they will not be able to contain themselves by talking about how in the past they've been opposed to abortion. Go ahead. I I can't imagine the Republican candidates in this particular cycle taking a position on reproductive rights. I think it's too much of a uh, hot potato for them, and it doesn't really really help them uh, either in the primary. uh, Well, there is no primary in the Republican race in the third district. The, The justice who's currently... Um, been appointed to the seat is running unopposed. 
Um, in the second district, you've got um, four candidates that are, you know, that are very different than one another. Um, you've got Mark Curran, who is the former sheriff uh, of Lake County, who ran against Dick Durbin for uh, Senate. And so he is, I believe, on record on his position on abortion rights. And I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he is fairly uh, anti-abortion. Um, Justice Hutchinson is a justice on the Illinois Appellate Court in the second district, and she has been an elected judge for for a number of years. And I think, um, you know, because she's been an elected judge for so long, she probably doesn't have a uh, a, a string of public statements on this issue, but you know, someone might look into decisions that she's issued in the past, and I don't know of any off the top of my head, but that's one way uh, to find out where she might rule. But I don't think this has really been an issue before, so I, because Roe um, was was not endangered. So um, you know, this is probably something she hasn't specifically ruled on. Um, and then, you know, you've got a, a, another judge, Judge Novarini, who is in Kane uh, County, and he had initially announced that he or explored that he was running for this seat as a Democrat. And a lot of people um, believed that he was anti-choice and pushed him because of his anti-choice statements um, from the Democratic primary to the Republican primary. So. Um, you know, I, I think each of the candidates is a little bit, bit different. I think uh, Mark Curran is trying to take the the right lane in the uh, in the primary, um, and I think he might be more outspoken than the others on his abortion position because he's, um, you know, he's had that position publicly in other races, and it it might help him um, in the primary. Yeah. Yeah, he has that extreme position. I remember him, comments he made when he was running against Durbin, and things he said about uh, Congressman John Lewis, uh, which just, out, in my opinion, were completely outrageous. Uh, so he's he's pretty MAGA uh, through and through. Uh, now, let's talk about on the Democratic side of things. Uh, are the uh, all the Democrats, I presume, maybe I shouldn't do this, all the Democratic candidates are signaling in their own way uh, that they believe in Roe. Am I correct? I don't know how public they have been about it. Um, uh, Mary Kay O'Brien is a former state legislator, um, ran for state legislature, and um, you know has a a history of being pro uh, reproductive rights uh, in her public statements. Um, Nancy Rotering, who, as I told you, is is my client, um, used to serve on the board of of Planned Parenthood and was at the um, ban on our bodies rally uh, in Union Park uh, last weekend, um, and I believe that the the other two justices have not been been as explicit uh, in their public statements because they're sitting judges and they haven't run for office before. Um, but but I don't believe that anyone has has on the Democratic side has said anything anti-choice. Do you think that once it gets down to the actual election? And it's razor thin uh, that the Democratic nominees are going to really push the envelope on this issue uh, just to alert all the voters. These are classic swing voters. 
where they stand on this issue? I, I think within their their ethical obligations, they should be, and I, I think they, they will be. I think it depends on which candidate um, comes forward in the uh, in the primary. Some are more outspoken than than others on the issue, um, but but I think it's going to be one of the defining issues of, of the race, and I think it's going to be one of the issues that draws turnout. And so I think it would be a mistake of the candidates not to um, be focusing on the, the differences on reproductive rights. Um, but one of the things that you have to remember with, with judicial elections is that candidates are, are fairly conservative in terms of pushing that line and historically have been much more conservative than, um, you know, than I think they need to be given Supreme Court precedent and given the limited language of the judicial uh, ethics law. Um, but they oftentimes have surrogates uh, that are out there saying things that they can't say um, for themselves. So, so look at who Planned Parenthood endorses, look at who um, Personal PAC endorses, look at who, um, you know, the, the people uh, who are known in the state of Illinois for their um, advocacy on abortion rights, who who is supporting which candidate? You know, when you said surrogates uh, that let people know in the terms of the Illinois State Supreme Court Justice, I had a smile because I was thinking that this game is played on the national level, too, uh, with a justice by the name of Clarence Thomas, who uh, his surrogate is his wife, Ginny Thomas. Uh, who is like maggot to the core, uh, th- uh, apparently thinks that the election was stolen from Donnie Trump, absent any evidence of it, uh, and uh, is just out there as a leader uh, in um, activist MAGA causes. Uh, <laughs> and, so, and it shocks me that that was, that was a 24-hour story. What do you mean? I, I mean, the, the emails that she sent to Meadows came out and, and they made headlines and, and it seems like no one, uh, you know, you're talking about it, but, uh, you know, it seems to have just faded immediately out of the public consciousness and did not become uh, a big deal. Well, and I'll tell you, this gets back to the first point I made. Democrats, and, and feel, feel free to disagree with me, Ed. You've heard me say this a million times. Democrats don't play the game to win. I don't know why they they always play. I always think they're playing to cut deals, you know. And and but if just imagine in any world where there was a Supreme Court justice appointed by a Democrat, so there would be what? There's uh, how many of them on there right now? Three. Just imagine if any one of them had a spouse who was as openly engaged with the far left. We're not talking about moderate Republican politics and Ginny Thomas. This woman is out there on the far right. So, Ed, it would be around-the-clock coverage on Fox. There were, I would be getting emails, because I get all the conservative emails. I would get 100 emails a day identifying this person. Democrats don't understand how the game is played, or they're too chicken uh, to play the game the way it has to be played. And hence, they're always at a disadvantage, even though numerically they have... There's more people who agree with the Democratic position on just about anything than the Republican position. So in my opinion, uh, that's why it was, what'd you call it, a 24-hour day? I, 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 it was a 24-hour story, and it just, it just disappeared. I mean, it, 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 
I mean, I, I've heard more about Hunter Biden's laptop than I've heard about Ginny Thomas, um, you know, and and Ginny Thomas is sending emails to the you know, chief of staff of the president of the United States talking about blocking the peaceful transfer of power um, in, in the United States government. And, and the fact that that we've stopped talking about that um, is is unbelievable. Yeah. And furthermore, her her husband, uh, the Justice Thomas, voted against the release of some of those documents, which. <laughs> and then, oh, you got me started at then Clarence Thomas gives some kind of talk or a speech about civility and politics. I'm like, he says, oh, man, those protesters outside the other judge's house, we've gone too far. And the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, we've gone too far. And, oh, I wish for the old days when things were civil. I'm like, hello, Justice Thomas, your wife was calling for an insurrection. Your wife was at the rally where they overturned, where they uh, stormed the halls of Congress. <laughs> you remember that? Like. You know what I'm saying, Ed? I mean, they're just blatant. Yeah, and 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 think about the the flip side where the Supreme Court has basically allowed protest of the homes of of doctors who perform abortion services, and so somehow um, the the Supreme Court justices need to be treated differently, uh, even though they're making decisions that affect the lives of of, of millions and millions of people around the country. Uh, they they deserve somehow um, more protection from from public protest than than people who provide abortion services. Well put. And I'll, now here's another issue that may come to the Supremes, and you help me out on this one because I'm sure uh, there have been rulings in this matter. Uh, so as you put it, Illinois is an island of of sorts in the in the Midwest for uh, abortion rights and. Uh, people will be coming, women will be coming here from uh, other states uh, to get abortions. Also coming here will be uh, uh, anti-abortion nutcases to protest outside of those clinics. And uh, so there'll be all kinds of, uh, if, it, if it really gets heated up, there'll be attempts, I believe, by local authorities to uh, just give a little space uh, to the abortion uh uh, clinics uh, to the uh, women's uh, health clinics. Uh, I know this matter has come before the courts in the past, Ed. I could see it coming before the courts as well. And then you're going to hear a totally different argument coming out of MAGA's mouth because everything for them is tactical. So they, they take a stance only for whatever their, they, their needs at that moment. But you're going to hear about how f uh, free expression and First Amendment and the uh, protesters have a right to protest uh, on this issue. Uh, and that could come before the Illinois State Supreme Court, am I correct? Absolutely. You know, intellectual consistency is not a hallmark of the conservative movement. I mean, you, you just look at, at Mitch McConnell and the reasons why he didn't bring Merrick Garland to a hearing and, and then turned around and brought Amy Coney Barrett to a hearing, uh, you know, while voting was already underway uh, in the election. Um, and and there's no way to to justify that that difference other than than we have the power, so we're going to win. Yeah, I um, you're absolutely correct. I will never forget that one, Merrick Garland, uh, and we must let the people decide. <laughs> Amy Coney Barrett, hurry up! Uh, I uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, reproductive rights because. That's really on my mind, and uh, I absolutely believe it'll be one of the defining issues. Um, my union friends, 
my union brothers and sisters, uh, I feel that if MAGA takes control of the Supremes, you could have a court that's very friendly to sort of the some kinds, the similar kinds of uh, movements of Bruce Rauner. You remember Governor Rauner? Those those uh, nightmarish days at what he tried to do with collective bargaining. I, I remember it all too well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we don't really have enough time to explore uh, this particular avenue. But briefly, uh, talk a little bit about union issues that might become before the Supreme Court. So, you know, I, I haven't really thought through that. And, um, you know, the the big union issue that came up before the Supreme Court was the the issue over the, the reduction in the pensions when, when Governor Quinn uh, reached that agreement and and the Supreme Court struck it down, um, and and I was trying to to use that as an example to show, um, you know, what the difference between a Republican and a Democratic Supreme Court would be. But it actually turned out that was a seven to zero decision. Um, you know, it wasn't a four three decision um, in favor of the 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 union pensions. And so, you know, I, for, from the union perspective. You know, I think it's going to be on the questions of, of organizing um, and and, uh, you know, there are a lot of issues that come up with with whether or not strikes are, are illegal uh, or or not. Um, and that came up with the Chicago Teachers Union in a couple of cases. Um, so I, I do think that that there are, you know, some some union related issues that that could come before the Supreme Court. Um, I don't see any any huge issues that are percolating in the courts right now, um, but you know that that's all I got. Yeah, there. no, and uh, right to work uh, laws of, of the sort. Yeah, so, you know, so 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 one of the the cases that just came down, uh, I think it was yesterday from the Fifth Circuit um, Court of Appeals, which is you know overseeing Texas and, and Mississippi and some of the crazier uh, states. Um, was part of the effort of the conservatives to get away from the entire administrative regulatory state. And this is something that's not as sexy and it's things that people don't think about as directly. Um, but this is enormous. It, it talks about how our state has the opportunity and the ability to regulate uh, uh, environmental protections or for health protections. So things like, uh, you know, what do we do with the next pandemic? Um, you know, all of the rights of the government to, um, to regulate industry and to regulate individuals, um, that is being attacked. Um, and so if we have a law that passes like the uh, CJA, the, the environmental uh, law that passed in the last legislature, um, you know, we need a court that's going to uphold the right of the state to impose those environmental regulations on industry. And the conservatives are are really against that. And that's part of the reason why you see the Chamber of Commerce, you know, they spent $6 million on the Kilbride race. Um, and they're going to put a lot of money in this race. And, and a big part of that is, is not because these big corporations care about reproductive rights. It's because they care about their the rights to, to do business however they want to do business without regulation. And and that's where they're gonna get their return on investment on the Supreme Court. And and it's just not as it's 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 not as sexy 
um, as talking about abortion rights or or um, marriage rights for for gay couples and you know other issues that 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 go to you know the culture wars. Um, but it's the kind of thing that affects people on a day to day basis. The the um, you know the air you breathe, the water you drink. It's it's all uh, at risk if the regulatory state is is dismantled. Absolutely, and that was one. I think uh, one of the first executive orders that Donald Trump signed. One of the first. I can't remember if it was literally the first uh, when he got uh, into uh, uh, office was to undo some Supreme Court ruling regarding clean water and the ability of the federal government to, over, uh, to oversee clean water regulations. Uh, and it had to do with the dispute, a land dispute in Michigan. So I hear you loud and clear. And all my environmentalist friends out there, wake up. Okay, you know, I mean, this affects you too. Generally, the environmentalist community, uh, I have to admit, Ed, they're not as asleep as the rest of the electorate, so I, I got to give them a little, uh, let them up a little slack. People who care about the environment, in my experience, have been a little more awake uh, than the rest of the masses who are sleeping soundly, generally. Uh, Ed Mullen, any other thoughts you want to leave us with before we uh, uh, end this uh, show for today? You know, I think that you hear Democrats say that, uh, you know, this is the most important election of our lifetime. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And it kind of, uh, you know, it, it gets old and it gets repetitive. Um, but I think we're really at an inflection point. And the thing that you have to understand about the Supreme Court, as I said earlier, is that these are 10-year terms. So if we screw it up. It's not something we can fix in two years or four years. Right. This is a 10 year mistake that we're making. And, and that's huge. Um, so layered upon all the other um, sirens that we've already uh, raised today, um, if we screw it up, it's a 10 year mistake. So we can't screw it up. All right. And to that point, I know I'll, you, I'll be bringing you back. Uh, to discuss this as we get closer. This is just round one of our discussions, ladies and gentlemen. Well, actually, round two, because that was on talking about uh, the districting. Uh, that was a delightful conversation. Uh, but uh, once the primaries are over, then we move into the general election. We'll know who the Republican candidate is. We'll know how strong the Republicans are running on a MAGA platform. Uh, will they be diluting their MAGA platform in order to win over... Uh, uh, sleepy swing voters? Uh, will they be running MAGA strong? Uh, I, I, a lot of that has to do with who will win uh, the Republican uh, primary. But the more I think about it, Ed, they're going to go on. I, when I watch how Richard Irvin is positioning himself here uh, with, uh, um, with such themes as uh, nothing scares a liberal more than uh, someone who looks like me and thinks like us. I don't know if you saw that one. Uh, I got to feel uh, they're going to double down on MAGA. So it will be um, one of those elections where I'll be saying, this is really important. I don't know if it's the most important. Uh, I could make an argument that the gubernatorial race in Pennsylvania may, <laughs> may be the most important. Uh, but it's, uh, it's certainly not one that you should fall asleep on. All right, Ed, thank you very much, uh, as always, taking the time to talk to me. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that's great, Ed Mullen, the man knows states. I told you you knew about the state Supreme Court, ladies and gentlemen.
He, we didn't even, I didn't even give him a cheat sheet with these questions. These were questions he handled coldly, and he handled them all very well. So thank you very much, Ed Mullen. Uh, I also want to thank uh, DJ Nate sitting in for uh, Dr. D, who is vacationing somewhere. DJ Nate, great job. Uh, the pride and joy of Lane Tech. And as they say back in Lane Tech, they call him DJ Nate, and the D stands for The Marvelous. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you next week, everybody.